My name is Victor Kubik. Welcome to another episode of The Kubik Report. Once again, we have leadership development influencer Greg Thomas back to continue our discussion on the important principles of personal leadership. As a reminder, you can learn more about Greg's training skills on his YouTube channel. Simply type in Leadership Excellence, that's Leadership Excellence, one word, on your YouTube homepage in the search box, and you will find him. We have been discussing his book, Making Life's Puzzle Pieces Fit, Using the 12 Principles of Personal Leadership. Greg, welcome back. Well, thank you, Victor. It's always a pleasure to talk about one of my favorite topics in the whole world, leadership. Well, I know we know you as Mr. Leadership in the various venues that we've worked in, and we've worked and discussed these things not only for the past few years, but for the last few decades. So we've had two podcasts so far. We have really appreciated being able to talk with you and hope that we can have, we can have many more of them. We have covered now of the 12 principles of personal leadership. The last time we covered five of them, five of the 12 principles. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to have you give us a quick recap of where we've been for someone who didn't listen to the previous podcast. And I might say that all of our podcasts are on the Cubic Report. However you got here, you can see the list of podcasts and you can see and you can hear what Greg has said previously. So give us a quick review so that we know what you covered and then let's go on from here. Sure, you better be happy to Vic. So there are 12 principles and the very first one is the first one for a good reason. It is establishes the first thing we need to do after we have created our own personal mission statement, it's the right visionary goals. So let's define that a right goal is one that is positive and beneficial and does no harm to others. And it's visionary because it's part of a mental picture that we develop that prods and motivates us. It's an inspirational snapshot, just like a photograph of a desired future that we want to be part of and that we want to be in. So you put those together, a right goal, one that is positive and beneficial, one that is visionary, that helps us look into a preferred desired future that we are part of, and you're on to the very first of the 12 principles. So we begin to create these goals. They are necessary because they actually provide a blueprint for our future, helps us to achieve our personal mission statement. And as we go through life, we have short-term goals that we establish that are stepping stones to achieving long-term goals. So the short-term goals might be 30 days, 60 days. A long-term goal could take up to a decade or more to achieve something that we desire. But we use those short-term goals as a way, as a part of the process of achieving things we want to achieve long-term. And then along with all of this, we begin creating and using daily positive affirmations because they're also a form of vision. They help in a visionary goal. So positive affirmation is something you say to yourself it's something that helps you to picture the person that you want to be in your mind. It's a part of visionary thinking because everything begins first in the mind. The late Dr. Stephen Covey said and reinforced in his writings, and he's absolutely true, that all things are created twice. First, they are created in the thoughts, they are created in the mind, and then only later physically 
they are actually created in the physical world. So let's take, for example, the office that I'm sitting in. I'm sitting in an office now, and it has four walls. It's a very beautiful office. But the day the contractor showed up and started digging the basement, pouring the walls, and creating a structure, that wasn't its first creation. Oh, by no means. It was first created in the mind of an architect. And I know that because I saw the blueprints long before the first worker showed up on this property to build this home. It started out in the architect's mind. He put it on paper from his thoughts, from his creativity, and only later was it physically created. So that's what positive affirmations help us to do. We repeat things to ourselves and because we desire to be that, we desire to be there, we desire to be better, and that visionary thinking helps and is the important first step in those things coming true and eventually being achieved. So that's principle number one. You know, I might just comment here. Sure, because, please do. <laughs> because when we went through that and the first time around, I just thought, where have we applied this? And we commented that we applied this in our marriage. You know, we had certain ideas of where we, mm -hmm. wanted, we wanted to go and achieve. And we've kind of gone back to where, when we were still dating and we were talking about getting married and what that would mean. And I just really find that that to be a very, very important principle, not only whatever you do, but I found it particularly in marriage. It's really true in every aspect of life. And mm -hmm. for example, let's say we're overcoming a, a negativity and, and we really have to battle. We'll get more into this as we get into a, a later principle. We have to battle that negative self-talk that's in our heads. We have a constant dialogue going on in our heads 24-7. We even dream. That's visionary. And this dialogue that we have going on tends to turn to negativity. Some who have studied the human brain say up to 80% of everything we think is negative and actually works against us. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we may notice that in ourselves. So we could create a positive affirmation that would say something like, I am positive, encouraging, and see the potential in other people. So that's an example of a positive affirmation. We are building internal confidence, determination, positive expectancy, and we are beginning to displace the negativity that resides in our heads. I like to say that our minds are a dangerous neighborhood to go into alone. Mm -hmm. So these positive affirmations help us to overcome some of these negative thoughts and attitudes and ideas that we have. And so all of that is why that's the important first principle before anything else. Okay. Then we have the second principle we touched upon last time. This gives us knowledge and wisdom. It helps us to reach our goals because that knowledge and education and wisdom is necessary for us to prepare to achieve something. Sometimes it's even a requirement to attain credibility or credentials, like having a particular degree in something oftentimes is necessary in order to even participate in that as a career or as a job. And also, once we've even achieved our goals, having this kind of principle helps us to maintain our accomplishments because we're talking about a complete education that doesn't stop when you get your college degree, if you go to college, or doesn't stop if you go to vocational school. It's a lifelong process of having 
humility and an open mind and a thirst for knowledge that develops our mind and therefore helps develop our body and our personality. And it makes life a lot more fulfilling and rewarding and interesting as we're constantly learning new things. You know, the old idea of liberal arts in my uh, undergraduate degree was a liberal arts degree. That's actually coming back. That was out of favor for decades, liberal arts degrees. But what they do is they provide a well-rounded, balanced education in the humanities, in social and physical sciences and mathematics. So it helps you not to be simply a one-dimensional human being because it exposes you to all the rich and wonderful things there are to learn. And of course, a continuous education guides you to be more proactive with confidence because just learning things and growing in education and knowledge gives you naturally more confidence in the things that you try and the things that you do. So that's the second that we touched upon last time, continuous education. I know that in management of our employees, we always provided, or at least made available, uh, mm -hmm. the ability to fund some education on the side that had to do with mm -hmm. their work. And you know, some took advantage of it to become a better writer, to become a better sure. you know, whatever. And it is something that uh, you don't even know what, what you need to do, but you find out that there's something that uh, interests you, and that interest can help you do your job better. So continuous oh, education is, is so very important. Absolutely. It's uh, again, it makes life a lot more enriching and satisfying when we have a thirst for knowledge and a greater understanding. Then we talked about the third principle last time that is maintaining your health. And I had said last time that I've known personally many people who abused themselves, didn't get enough sleep. They may have taken substances that harmed themselves. And here they had very sharp minds but they had prematurely wore their bodies out because of abuse on their physical system. And it's important for us to achieve and maintain a healthy lifestyle. And it's not that complicated. It means a diet that's primarily con composed of fruits and vegetables and whole grains. It means getting regular exercise, uh, getting an annual physical. It means strengthening our cardiovascular system. Uh, it means uh, drinking plenty of water to eliminate toxins, getting enough sleep at night. A lot of people are sleep deprived and that affects our mind and it affects our physical body in many ways. So it's not really all that complicated, but it's essential if you want to be at your pre peak level of achievement, it's really important to go ahead and make sure that you're focusing on maintaining your health. And we don't have perfect health, but whatever we have left at whatever age we are, we need to guard it and do everything else in our particular situation to maintain our health because that's what helps us to be uh, productive and it helps us to achieve the most things in life is staying healthy. Okay. Then we talked about principle number four, which is driving forward. This is again ties in so much with the 12 principles because it, it's part of that personal vision that fuels drive. And when you're driving forward, you're not reliving the past over and over again in your mind. I know so many people and clients I've worked with who it's just that rerun in their heads of something that happened 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago, and they just can't seem to get past it. It holds them down 
makes them feel guilty or bad all over again for something that's that's long done that can't be changed and we have to look forward and not look backward as i said last time you can't drive forward constantly looking in the rearview mirror you have to look forward and this forward momentum propels us and gives us the desire to overcome any obstacle. We're either going to go over it or under it or around it or through it. Whatever it takes, we are going to propel ourselves and drive forward to achieve the goals that we've established in our lives. So it pushes us through difficult situations. It combines with uh, being positive and changing oh, the negative uh, framework to a positive framework. So that, that's a very Oh, good... absolutely. We can't live a life of regret. We can use regret to improve, but not regret just to wallow in something we can't change. Sure, and when something really terrible or negative happens, when we make a serious mistake, we need to analyze it seriously once. We need to process it. We need to accept and understand our accountability and responsibility for it, learn the lesson, and then we need to let it go, mm -hmm. and we need to drive forward in life and do something positive. So again, it's not constantly looking into the past to relive negative events or experiences. It is propelling yourself to look forward in life. Okay, then you talked about utilizing our resources. Yeah, I think that was the last principle that we may have talked about last time. And this is just realizing what an incredible gift we have with the human mind and healthy body if we're maintaining our health to do so many things and to not sell ourselves short in who and what we are and the, and the gifts and the skills and the talents that we have. First of all, there's mental agility. Tapping to our, into our resources means tapping into our imagination and our creativity, asking questions like, well, what if I did it this way? Being willing to have out of the box thinking, being open-minded and using the strengths and gifts of our mental agility. And then there's physical resources. That may be the energy level that we have. Uh, it may be our individual talents, some of them, which frankly come from our DNA that we didn't even have to work hard at at all. Many people who are excellent singers or have excellent vocal talents, it's something that was in their DNA. Mm -hmm. So it's a gift. Mm -hmm. And then there are the developed talents, the things that we've worked hard at, that we've honed. But all of these are part of the physical resources that we have in tapping into those abilities to achieve things. And we all have networks. We all have a group of friends. We have former co-workers, people that we know. Uh, many of us have a mentor. I'm a firm believer that everyone has should have a mentor. I have a mentor. Everyone should have someone that they can run things by, ideas, and run things by and, and use them as a sounding board to help yourself. And then there are business groups that we can be part of. Then there's technology. Wow, what a great age in the 21st century to basically to go on the internet and to research virtually anything, to study virtually anything. And yeah, you have to be careful. There's also a lot of hooey out there, uh, people promoting their own research and their own agendas and ideas. That's for and sure. I understand that. <laughs> But if we're diligent, uh, it's just an incredible way to work on that complete education, that continuous education we talked about in an earlier principle. And again, to use that as a resource in the decision-making that we have and improving our lives. 
and I feel too is that resources change. You know, I had lots of books from 40, 40, 50 years, and they sit there on the shelf collecting dust, and it just looks mm -hmm. like I'm just research, you know, going back to them all the time. But I find that I can get so much more information and updated information online that's in those books. Oh, yeah. Many things, many, many resources, like encyclopedias that used to cost hundreds, thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in the past now are online. You don't have to be uh, carrying yes. boxes, boxes of books. So not only is utilizing your resources, but finding the resources that can benefit you most. Absolutely. And to sum it up, it's mm -hmm. acknowledging your personal strengths, the talents you have, the, the personal resources you have with your mind, with the skills you've developed, with the people that you know, with the technological advancements that are at your fingertips, and using those to help your life, to improve your life and, and achieve your goals. So again, I encourage people, don't sell yourself short. Believe in your abilities because uh, you have incredible, everyone has incredible, unique gifts and talents, and it's important that we tap into those resources. Great, uh, great. So now, Greg, tell us about the sixth principle of the 12. This is one that was not in the original Seven Laws of Success booklet that you talked about last time that was sort of the impetus for your starting to uh, write these 12. So what about the sixth principle? What is it? Yeah, absolutely. This is dealing with disappointments. And this is important because being disappointed, going through difficult things in life, either decisions that we've made or others have made, uh, being hurt in life is part of the human experience. So dealing with disappointments in life begins with understanding that disappointments have a profound value. First of all, everyone goes through periods of disappointments. You look at individuals like uh, Thomas Jefferson. He, you know, he lost his wife as a young man. He would have raging headaches, migraine headaches for days and weeks when he was struggle, when he had struggles and was dealing with the disappointments in his life. Churchill had what he called the black dog that were like periods of depression for him, that he really struggled with the disappointments that he was facing. So part of dealing with our disappointments is initially realizing that they can be something beneficial to us in the long term. Having said that, if you just go through a, a period of time where you have the blues uh, a week or so, that's normal. That's part of the normal human experience. But if it goes beyond that, then please uh, get clinical help. If you're struggling with chronic depression or despondency, then I encourage you to please get clinical health. We love you. We want you to be productive. It may be a chemical imbalance or something going on in your brain, and you don't need to deal with long-term struggling depression. So again, we're talking about just going through a short period of time here where you're just, you've experienced some disappointment and it's hurting you, it's giving you the blues, it's frustrating you. So when that happens, take a long-term perspective on life and on all the events that happen to you. When we're dealing with a disappointment, we're only seeing things from right now. And right now is always an incomplete and a distorted view of our lives and the things that we're heading towards. So please take a long-term perspective, realize the way that I feel right now will pass in a week or two. 
I'm going to get on to other things. I'm going to get involved in other things. And this is just part of being human. And I'm going to deal with it. And much like the earlier principle, I'm just going to be going forward. The thing is with disappointments is when you really look at them, personal struggle and overcoming self-doubt is actually the fertilizer of achievement. It actually takes us through a period of self-reflection and that usually regenerates and helps us to remake ourselves through the thought process. We say, all right, well, so what am I going to do from here? Where am I gonna go from here? Because we tend as human beings to become stagnant we tend to get in the in a rut. We tend to enjoy the same old, same old without any challenges. What disappointments do is they usually force us to reboot the things that we've been calling a priority, or at least challenge in our minds the things we've been calling a priority so that we ask ourselves, are these really priorities? Is it time for me to do something different? I was going to say, too, is that... Uh... So some of the difficulty right now with so much social media and, and uh, so much out there about people's lives and what people present about themselves, mm -hmm. it looks like they're all successful, that they're just uh, rich, famous, and just uh, having a big yacht and personal jet plane, sure. and successful and, and all that. You don't realize that what trauma people go through in having to make decisions and to having a setbacks, to have a bankruptcy, to have a, a loss mm -hmm. of relationship. I think it was Patton who said, your success is dependent not on how far you fall, but how how you bounce after your fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's always, right. I always yeah. like that expression. So it begins with looking at disappointments as a natural part of the human condition and saying, what can I glean? What can I learn from this experience? So then rather than allowing that self-talk that we touched upon earlier to just wallow in self-doubt and negativity and the blame game, blaming myself, blaming other people. Let's just reboot and say, all right, so where can I go from here? And as you're dealing with it, as you're processing it, and again, it's healthy to process those disappointments, find some things that you can do that work for you, that help you to clarify your thinking. For me, it's it's music. There's a particular type of music. When I have a day or an episode where I'm going through the blues, I put on a certain type of music, and it almost within minutes begins to lift up my countenance, just lift up my heart. I'm also a very nature-oriented person. I love to plant flowers. So for me, I've discovered that go out and get my hands dirty, get back to nature, uh, dig in the earth, do some things in the yard also helps to shake me out of the blues, shake me out of a disappointment that I've had. Going back to relationships uh, with my spouse supports me and encourages me. So find out what works for you as an individual, things that you can do that will help you to process those disappointments and to begin to pull you out of it back to a normal state of mind and back to the, the passionate person that you want to be, that you need to be. Goes back to one of my favorite jokes. Uh, many, many years ago, the Cleveland Browns had a coach whose name was Sam Ritigliano. I think he later taught at Liberty University. And the Browns lost a playoff game. And of course, after the game in the coach's locker, 
all the media comes running up with their microphones in his face and coach what about the big game coach you blew the big game coach tell us about the big game and sam retigliano said you know what he said we fought hard but there are a billion chinese who couldn't care less <laughs> right so what he did is he had a long-term perspective because sure enough three days after that game who cares yeah and and the browns suited up and they they entered another season and they went forward and they moved forward season after season after season since that time and that's the same with our life so take a long-term perspective on this event and say if i only view things from the way i feel right now it's incomplete mm -hmm. and it's distorted compared to what i have done in my lifetime and what i'm yet to do so if you have that perspective i think it'll help see you through and of course i encourage everyone to do something good and positive for another person a lot of times when we're dealing with disappointment in our minds, Vic, we're just wallowing in self-doubt. We feel sorry for ourselves or we're frustrated or angry. Get out of that shell. Get, get away from our thinking, that negative self-talk, and go out and do something positive for another person. Serve them. Help them. And stop thinking about ourselves so much. That also will help pull us out of that period of time in which we're struggling with disappointments. Well, I think that you know, for anybody who strives to be a leader or really cares about that, they will run mm -hmm. into difficulties, they'll run into setbacks, they'll run into difficult people that they, that they work with, and they can become that way. And you as a life coach, I think recognize that a person may feel that way. You mentioned feelings of even mm -hmm. ang anger and frustration. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, and, and to affirm that and say, yes, I know that you're angry. I know that you're mm -hmm. frustrated. I know the reasons that you are the way you feel but here's the solution here's the way out and that that is so very very important to either have somebody who can help you that way or read about it or read about it in your book making life's puzzle pieces fit yeah another thing that has helped me uh, is reading biographies of other people and realizing how they struggled through enormous periods of disappointment in their lives and uh, yet they got through it they mm. used it as an opportunity to reinvent themselves and they move forward and onward. So it's, a, it's important, one of the principles, because again, it, it is part of the human condition. And when I say that, I reinforce what you just said here. These thoughts and feelings are valid and we should never, if someone comes to us and says, you know, they're disappointed or they have the blues or discouraged, we should never uh, you know, accuse them of having a wrong attitude or get down on them or challenge their thinking. Thinking is valid and it's real and that's how they feel. Mm -hmm. So we need to accept that and if we, and certainly encourage them, but you're not going to encourage them or help them by dismissing the way they feel or the uh, disappointments that they're going through. Absolutely. If you can confirm that that's the way they feel and that they have mm -hmm. good reason for feeling that way, I think that's very important because that'll help them to process it and be able to work their way through it with positive actions. That's that's a, I feel that this is a very important point about personal development. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Certainly, most certainly. And when you think, uh, you know, I can guarantee you, no matter who you think of, if you have someone in history or someone you've known who is your hero or you thought just achieved incredible things i can guarantee you that person no matter who he or she was went through periods of 
disappointment and despondency in their lives. And again, it was those periods that helped them during their darkest moments to usually reboot and take their lives to another level. You know, again, getting back to Winston Churchill, he ended up in, in what's known in his career as the wilderness years. He was very discouraged. He was mocked. He was warning Britain about the rise of Nazi Germany. He was belittled as an old man who was way past his prime, a dinosaur who thought back to the Victorian era, and he went through incredible bouts of disappointment because of the way he was treated and things that were said about him. Yet, he came back as the prime minister in his 60s, and for a period of time through the war alone, without even the help of the United States, who was still struggling with overcoming you know, pacifism and not getting involved in Europe, Churchill stood alone. And so it was actually that period of time during his wilderness years that prepared him to achieve the things he did as prime minister during the war. And then we come on to the seventh principle, which also was not in the original laws of success, and it's called a life in balance. I'm gonna begin by giving you a definition of what balance is from the Encarta Dictionary. Here's what it says. It says balance is a state in which various elements form a satisfying and harmonious whole and nothing is out of proportion or unduly emphasized at the expense of the rest, end of quote. So life in balance is one in which we say, for me to achieve all the things that I want to do in my life, I have finite, limited human resources. Therefore, I have to use them wisely and effectively. And as a result of that, I am not going to nurture and tolerate destructive addictions. I'm going to avoid all types of substance abuse because if you take a substance and you become addicted to it, it controls your life. It totally throws your life out of balance. And long term, the results will probably be, as I've seen hundreds of times, the loss of your job, sometimes the loss of your career, the loss of your family, the loss of your dignity, and the loss of any finances or material things that you may have acquired. It literally will destroy you. So avoid a life that is unbalanced. And that also touches upon being careful that we don't get into obsessions. An obsession is spending too much time on any single thought or just a few things and ignoring everything else and literally being obsessed with doing something at the harm of other things that we should be doing. Anything physical or mental that controls our thinking is ultimately harmful. And we do have people in the world that have what's known as obsessive compulsive disorders and people just get locked on one idea, one thing that's all they think about. It becomes their one consuming passion and their lives have no balance. And again, in time, they alienate everyone around them. They just mute their potential for having a productive and balanced life because of those kinds of obsessions. And in time, whether you're on uh, some type of substance or you're struggling with some type of obsession, in time, 
that instability becomes your new accepted norm. That becomes your new normal. So it's, it's a reoccurring loop. It's a habitual loop that just goes round and round and sucks us in to abusing substances or continuing to guide our life thinking about one thing and one thing only. And it's very harmful. And again, in my career and dealing as a coach with individuals, I've seen so many folks whose lives were unbalanced. And if you do it long enough, it can literally bring down your life, it can bring you down. So it's something that uh, people need to focus on and need to strive to have a life in which all parts of us are emotions, our mental thoughts, our physical bodies, every part of us is in a satisfying and harmonious whole. And nothing, no part, no thought, no single passion is being unduly emphasized at the expense of our families or the expense of other areas of our lives that need attention and also need balance. Well, what are some examples, perhaps, is it would be like a hobby or your, even your job or even yourself, what could be some of these obsessions? Well, we, we have terms for some of them in our culture. One is being, a we say, a workaholic. That's someone who works and works and mm-hmm. works and works. And the, the people who lose out on that are their family, their spouses, their children, if they have children, because they just become totally obsessed with advancing their career or making money or doing something that's going to harm their lives. As far as alcoholism is uh, just a devastating form of substance abuse. Throughout history, millions and millions of people uh, acquired a smoking habit that is just so destructive. It destroys our physical bodies. It is addictive. Um, There are just so many things out there, so many temptations and so many things out there that can pull our lives out of balance. And we have to be very, very sensitive and, and examine ourselves and look at ourselves and make sure that we're not falling into a trap of, of having a life that is unbalanced. And, and that usually all begins with our thinking, with, with going back to that self-talk, with convincing ourselves that one thing is the only thing that we should think about and do and perform and crave. And that's usually when the problems begin in our lives. So it can be, uh, you know, a, a form of substance abuse. It can be too much work. I mean, I've had uh, clients that were athletes who were just working out all the time, uh, even to the point of being unhealthy. So one became emaciated losing tremendous amounts of weight and because uh, he couldn't stop he liked that that what we call the runner's high mm-hmm. and he just he just couldn't stop he had become obsessed with running and quote being healthy and that's all he thought about uh, he would go to hotels he was noted it was a he actually traveled for a living he was noted for going in hotels and burning out their treadmills he would run on them so long he'd burn the motors out in hotels <laughs> when he was traveling. So again, that's an example of something that could be good. I mean, we all want to be healthy, and getting some cardiovascular exercise, cardiovascular exercise is a good thing, but it can be taken to the point of becoming an obsession. 
And there are just so many ways that we can do that. And we have to guard against it. We have to be very careful. Well, some of the bad habits that people have that uh, really are treated, as you see mm-hmm. in all advertisements, like overeating, can be an obsession. Yes, sure. Of uh, course, mm-hmm. alcohol that you had mentioned, uh, exercise, uh, perhaps an interest in a certain hobby or a certain uh, very, very narrow thing that most people don't care about, but that you pretty much shut out everybody else in, in, in your life because you're so fascinated by it. I think that a person needs to come to the point in their life, they say that, hey, wait a minute, this really shouldn't be so important, especially if there are other people around me that depend on me. Yeah, it shouldn't become all-consuming. And if it begins to do that, it's uh, it's taking your life into an unbalanced state. Long-term, that is not going to serve you well. It's not going to serve your loved ones uh, well. So it's something we need to be very aware of, and that's why it's principle number seven. And I think that that leads into the the principle number eight, simple diversion. Can, yeah, can and we... that that's absolutely, you notice that, thank you, you kind of picked up that they go hand in hand because the human mind needs recreation or recreation on an ongoing regular basis. Even when we sleep, our minds are recreating the events of the previous day. And what I'm told your mind is doing is it's sorting everything that happened to that day and saying, all right, this is worth remembering, store that, this, eh, throw it, pitch it. And all through the night that our mind is going through the events of the day and deciding what's worth keeping and what is not worth keeping within our, our memory. So our, our minds literally are recreating our day when we're sleeping. That's the whole idea, uh, the reason why we become dreamers. So uh, we have to be careful not to be so busy achieving that we forget to stop and enjoy and savor life. Now, I'm passionate about personal growth. I'm passionate about personal leadership. But again, you've got to have a life that's in balance. We are human beings, not human doings. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop and smell the roses. And we have to do that, first of all, every day, work a couple of hours, and then virtually everyone I know of is entitled to at least a short break after a few hours of work. Get up, go out, take a look outside the window, If it's summertime, uh, breathe the air, touch a leaf, enjoy the flowers. Our mind needs that. And ongoing studies show that you're actually far more productive if you take those little mini breaks. And if you stop and do that rather than just trying to grunt your way through and work for five hours without taking a break. So again, we are human beings and we need to have those simple daily diversions and those diversions should be positive and they should be in harmony with our values and our moral system and we need to do this each and every day one person told me i think he was a judge mm-hmm. he told me he says he could get more work done in 11 months than in 12 months in other words the extra months that he took off gave him reconstitution of mind and thought that made him very very productive for 11 months rather than being a sluggard late for for 12 months of work. Yeah, and I think as a culture and as a people, we instinctively realize that. I mean, getting out of our work routine for a day out of every week is an ancient religious practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every major religion on earth took time aside, now maybe a different day, but took time aside 
and said, let's get off of the merry-go-round, get out of the rat race, and just stop and have this daily diversion and think about other things rather than the rat race that you're in. The problem with being in the rat race, Vic, is even if you win, that still makes you a rat. (laughs) So, right? So it's so important that we have these simple diversions daily and weekly because, again, they help to reboot our thinking. They help us to recreate our lives and refresh ourselves by taking those breaks. And they're absolutely positively essential. And if you're a worker, if you're in the work world and you're in an office, please, please take your scheduled breaks and take your vacations. I remember working for a company. I had a manager who gloated that he hadn't taken a vacation in three years. And I thought to myself, who cares? I mean, Mm -hmm. who are you trying to impress? Personally, I felt sorry for him. But Mm -hmm. he was trying to do that, getting back to obsessions. He was trying to claw his way to the top, and he wanted to be noticed, and he wanted to make mention of it to everyone he could, that he was so dedicated that he hadn't taken a vacation in three years. And again, that is just totally unbalanced. We need these simple diversions. We need to take time every day to stop and smell the roses. We need to take time every week to stop and again reflect and go through a period of time in which we think about something far greater and more important than ourselves. And we also need to take scheduled vacations and times off during the year to refresh and recreate ourselves. And that's why, Greg, I really appreciate this book. The more I look at it, reading the various chapters in it, in Mm -hmm. making life's puzzle pieces fit, in that they of themselves are not like great things, you know, to make a person a great Mm -hmm. leader, Mm -hmm. but they are the things that prepare you. And they are things that are natural and normal and undramatic. In fact, they're Mm -hmm. less dramatic, Mm -hmm. you know, as as you kind of step away from things, as you look at things, as you deal with a disappointment. I feel like these are very vitally important principles that lead you to becoming a person that can become a greater servant. Then when we get to the last principle, we'll see uh, that there is actually an entire additional dimension that uh, that applies to all of the principles. But I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag now. Okay. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Anyway, I wanted to say, too, is that while we're not letting the cat out of the bag, mm-hmm. I, I do feel like Making Life's Puzzle Pieces Fit is available on Amazon. The book has been available since, what, 2004 or so? That you... 2006, 2006, I think, is one of them. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's on Amazon. And his other book, I believe, even has an audio version of it. So uh, Greg has some very, very good things that he has made available for the public through the two organizations that he's set up. So I just wanted to make mention of that. They are available on Amazon. Go ahead, Greg. Well, thank you, Vic. Thank you very much for that plug. Appreciate it. And then the ninth principle is one that I think is just so essential. It also was not one of the original seven laws of success that I originally read, and it's having meaningful relationships. Because I can tell you, at the end of our days, it's our relationships that will be the most important. One of the things that I do since we talked earlier about uh, getting over disappointment, and this may sound very strange, but it works for me. One of the things that helps pull me out of discouragement is I like to visit cemeteries. 
-hmm. particularly when I'm traveling. I like to look at the headstones and figure out how someone, how old someone was they when they died. And my, up to 100 years ago, you oftentimes saw also a lot of children who died either in childbirth or, or as small children. And I've probably seen 10,000 headstones because when I would travel a lot of times in the evening, I would search out a cemetery and just walk through it. And I find it serene and encouraging. I had a friend who chuckled when I told him once, he said, that's because you know that no matter how bad off you are, you're better off than they are. So uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but it just lifts up my spirits walking through a cemetery. I have never seen a headstone that said, I wish I had worked more. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd have spent more time in the office. As a matter of fact, there is an article that I read about a week ago in which it stated the things that dying people regret most. And it had like six things that they said that they regretted most when they looked over their lives, things that they wished they had done differently. And one of them was they wished they had spent more time on their human relationships mm -hmm. with friends and loved ones. So meaningful relationships add such an incredible element and level of fulfillment in life. These loving emotional connections are positive human wants and needs. We all need to be loved. Deep down, if we get beyond the surface, we want to love other people because that's the way that we are created. That's part of the human mind when you strip away the negativity and you strip away the selfishness and carnal thinking we really want to be loved and we really want to love others we want the joy that comes by loving other people nothing provides a greater level of contentment and joy and purpose in life than to love and to be loved and again that's why this principle is so essential and it boils down to this, Vic, every day is a gift. We're not promised tomorrow. Each and every day when we wake up in the morning and we shake the grogginess from our minds, the first thing that we should say is thank you, God, for the gift of another day, because there's no promise of even tomorrow uh, in this physical life. So since we're not promised it tomorrow, glean the most that you can from your loved ones and your friends. Let them know you value them. Uh, you know, tell them you love them. Make that call with that old friend that you haven't talked to in years and reach out and make those connections because, again, this is what gives life. Its richness, its level of fulfillment and enjoyment are the relationships, not necessarily the things that we do or the things that we achieve by ourselves. And in order to have meaningful relationships, of course, we have to make an investment in people. If you want to grow your bank account, you have to invest that money in some way. And the same thing is through, true with our relationships. An investment means we have to spend time with them. We have to send them an email, uh, drop them a, a quick card, give them a quick phone call, uh, meet them over lunch. Uh, we have to do something to invest in those relationships because the relationships will fall stagnant if we're not spending enough time with them. And people that become obsessed, people that become unbalanced in life, oftentimes relationships are the first things that they let go of. The first things they dispose of are all of their meaningful relationships on their quest 
to achieve whatever it is as a result of a substance abuse, to get more of that substance or uh, whatever it may be. Usually our families and our loved ones and friends suffer in the first ones that are sacrificed when our lives are on balance. So we have to make an investment in them. We have to take that time and make sure that each and every day that we value them and we let them know that we value them. And make somebody else's day. I had talked to one person who's gone through some severe health trials, mm -hmm. and they commented mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, they talk to people, and people sometimes say, well, have you tried this, have you tried that? She says, all I want them to do is to say, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> you know, yep. I know uh, to, to be caring. And, and to really think about what a person needs. People have gone through the loss of a loved one. And w what they want to hear at that time is about the person who was lost, the person who no longer mm -hmm. is living. They want to hear about that. They don't want to have mm -hmm. that ignored. So that's very, very important about relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, this, this wasn't in the original Seven Laws of Success. And it's so powerful and so important that I thought it really needed to be included. Mm -hmm. And and our, our culture and our society has done a lot of negative things. But in other ways, there have been some incredible advances. When my daughter was born, you know, nearly 40 years ago, I worked for an electrical contractor and he was upset that I wanted to take time off during the day my wife was giving birth. He thought that was outrageous. He said, I never went to the hospital when my children were born. All right, so that's back in the 1970s. Fast forward to today, I had a son-in-law recently, my youngest daughter gave birth, and he got something like, if I recall correctly, it might have been 13 or as much as 25 weeks paid leave in order to be there with his wife and his newborn child. Yeah, so we. In, this is one area in, in which I think segments of our culture realizes more than in the past the importance of having meaningful relationships and not just doing everything about work, 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 work all the time. So uh, again, it's a very powerful and important principle, and that's why it's principle number nine. I just thoroughly enjoy talking to you because you have such good thoughts and good examples and and uh, I can't help but when you talk to start applying them to myself <laughs> so <laughs> I, I appreciate that and that's what I hear from our uh, listeners they have really appreciated the podcast with you so thank you very much well thank you and I'm glad the uh, podcast and the information has been helpful we thank you our listeners for joining us here today for the cubic report if you have enjoyed this podcast please tell your friends about it we can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocketcaster, as well as many other podcasting platforms. You can easily find us on any browser address bar by simply typing in the words, The Cubic Report. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your impressions and suggestions for this podcast. So write to us at vcubic at gmail.com that's vcubic at gmail.com v-k-u-b-i-k at gmail.com again thank you for listening come back soon for more